0: Hey, if you have a Bible, grab that out. If you have a Bible, actually raise it up. If you have a Bible in your hand, raise it high raise it All right? I want you to see this hey when we go when I go to a baseball game for my boys I take they make sure they take a glove and they take a bat right why because that's a utensil that's an item they have to use when we come to church let's bring the word I know a lot of us we bring out our phones but there's just something special about a Bible having it in your hand I love the smell of the Bible and uh, I want to encourage you this year bring your Bible to church bring a notebook bring a pen, and uh, I'm not patting myself on the back, I'll pat other pastors in the church on the back a little bit, but I believe you have pastors and leaders here at Destiny Church who we spend time in prayer, we seek the Lord, we want clarity, we deliver words to you that are from God, and you need to take notes, you need to apply these to your life, it's not just so we can hear it one time and then move on, I believe God is speaking something to our church. And I believe he's going to do that. Today. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter six. We're going to look at verse one through nine. It'll also be on the screen. But before we look at that, I want to share with something with you that I've been really pondering for just this week, and it's really helped even shape this message. And when I say pondering now, I laugh a little bit because a few weeks ago, um, our family, one of the things we do, one of the things Tasha is really faithful to do for our family is she always does 25 days of Christmas. And so there's always um, a little note that the kids open, and there's something that happens that day building up to Christmas. And one of those is several years ago, we drove a Chevy Suburban, and uh, we started something called the Suburban Express. And uh, now we don't have a Suburban but it's still called the Suburban Express, and we take, we wake the kids up, or we just, you know do something like that, and we take them out, and we go look at Christmas lights. Well, this year, instead of driving around and looking at lights, we went to the Japanese stroll garden, we walked around, and we were looking at the Christmas lights, and they have benches all over the place, and, and one of those benches, Maddox, our 14-year-old, sat down, and Tasha looked at him, and she said, Maddox, you look like you're pondering, and uh, from, so from then on, every time he would sit down, Maddox would go, Ponder ponder. It just sit there, and so every time I say this word ponder or pondering now, I think back to that, but I've actually been thinking about this statement this week. I was actually on a phone call with a good friend of mine, and we were actually talking about this message, and I was just sharing with him the things the Lord has put on my heart, and through that conversation, we both came to this kind of statement. How do we live successfully while pleasing God and building legacy families. How do we live successfully while pleasing God and building legacy families? I think Deuteronomy chapter six starts to answer that for us. Let's look at it, verse one. This is the commandment. The rules and regulations that God, your God, commanded me to teach you to live out in the land you're about to cross into. This is so that you'll live in deep reverence for God before God lifelong, observing all his rules and regulations that I'm commanding you and your children and your grandchildren living good long days. Listen obediently, Israel. Do what you're told so that you'll have a good long life, a life of abundance and bounty, just as God promised, and a land abounding in milk and honey." Attention Israel, verse 4, God, our God, God, the one and only. Love your God with your whole heart, love him with all that's in you, and love him with all that you've got. And verse 6, and write these commandments that I'm giving you today on your hearts, and get them inside of you, and get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home, or walking in the street, Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. I want to focus in today on verse 7 when he says, get them. And what's them? What's the word of God? It's kingdom values. It's kingdom principles. It's kingdom morals. He's saying, get them inside of your family. Get them inside of your kids. Get them inside of your grandchildren. Get them inside of your marriage. Get them inside of your home. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Today I wanna talk with you about something that the Lord has been really working in my heart for the last four years. Lord, this phrase came to mind about four years ago And I've been pondering and meditating on this thought for four years, and I'm bringing it to our church today. Today, I want to talk with you about the table. Let's pray. Father, I come before you, and I'm so grateful for who you are and what you've done in all of our lives. And Lord, I believe that this is a very holy moment, a very sacred moment. And I believe you want to speak something very specifically to our people in our church. Every person that's here today, I believe you're going to do something powerful and special. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. Bless this day. Give us ears to hear. And I pray that we all respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Four decades ago, Congress set into motion a plan to increase the survival rate of endangered species right here in our land millions and millions of dollars and millions of hours were poured into the protection of these endangered species who were nearing extinction. Their efforts have been highly successful as around 90% of the protected species are now on the pathway to recovery. And we should celebrate these but while I think we celebrate these, we face another endangered species in our country that doesn't get a whole lot of attention, doesn't get a whole lot of press, it's not talked about a lot, it's really just kind of pushed to the side. I think another species that's endangered, that's nearing the extinction list, is strong, biblical, kingdom-driven families. Another way I could say it is legacy Families. And I believe that the Lord wants us for the next few weeks, I believe, really, for even the last year and a half, Lord really wants to speak to the families of Destiny Church. So, with this thought in mind, if strong biblical families are nearing extinction, what's contributing to that? What's contributing to biblical families being endangered? Well, I would say that all of us in this room, I would say I could take at least 30 minutes just to talk through all the things that make us as biblical families endangered. I would probably talk to each of you and you could give me a list of 10, 15, 20 different things. But I want to simplify it today and I think it's because we've, for the most part, we've failed. And I don't want to throw stones or any of that today, but I think it's we've failed to at least on a consistent basis, put Deuteronomy chapter six into practice in our homes. We failed to do what's instructed. We failed at getting kingdom values and kingdom principles and a biblical worldview in us, in our families, and in our homes. We failed. Again, please hear me, I'm not making accusations or throwing stones or trying to belittle anyone in this room. But I feel like, and not every family has failed. There are many families, even in this church, that are doing an incredible job of raising your family and you are instilling kingdom values in them. And you practice these principles and you apply apply them to your lives. But I think many of us are falling short. And I want to speak to that today. And to to help me, I want to use this table to help me illustrate. This table represents what used to be. This table represents... My family. This table represents my childhood. When I was a a kid, the place my family grew closer together was the table. Most nights, um, we had dinner either around a table like this one, or for the most part in my home, we had dinner around the snack bar. I remember one time a dinner around the snack bar where my parents served us pancakes and they would not give us any syrup for our pancakes. And if you know anything about me, I've been this way since I was a child, I've been rather picky and particular about my food. I remember this man on the front row when I was a kid, I didn't like Fruity Rings, I liked Fruit Loops. I didn't like Peter Pan, I liked Jeff. And he would always try to prove a point, and he would go, because he was one of the tightest men I've ever been around. And he thought Fruity Rings were 50 cents cheaper than Fruit Loops. And so, but what he would do is to prove a point is he'd go buy both boxes. Cost you more money. And he would go and he would take the Fruit Loops out of the Fruit Loops box and put them in the Fruity Rings box and put the Fruity Rings vice versa. And then he would give me the Fruit Loops box and pour it in and I'd take a bite like, something's not right with this cereal. Well, it's Fruit Loops. No, it's not. Something's not right. And then he would tell me. He'd try the same thing with peanut butter. But anyway, we had this. We had this meal where he serves us pancakes and me and my sister were like, these are not good pancakes. Can we please have some syrup? And they wouldn't give us syrup. What happened was my dad is not a cook and uh, he decided to make mashed potatoes that night and they became so runny, they had to turn them into potato cakes and they wouldn't tell us until after the meal. But anyway, so these are the things that are happening around my dinner table as a kid, and we had conversations, and we had quite a few good home-cooked meals. We talked about what Jesus was doing in our lives. I remember talking about sermons and Bible stories and Bible characters, and I remember my parents would pray for us. We would pray for each other. My parents, my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, collectively what was happening is they were following the instructions of Deuteronomy chapter 6, and they were taking the words, the commandments, the challenges and the instructions of Jesus, and they were implanting them on my heart. They were implanting them in us. And I'm thankful for those times at the table. I'm grateful for those times at the table. At our table, we also had fun. We laughed. We talked sports. We were a sports family. We talked sports. We talked music. We sometimes made fun of said meals at the table. I remember... One of the weirdest meals we ever ate in my household, and I've never shared this story publicly until today, because it's always just been too embarrassing. But anyway, my mom made, my mom, this was before Pinterest, she would try to get creative with meals. And uh, she made, um, it, it, was, it, was, it was not as bad as clean eating chicken and dumplings that Tasha made one time, the, the most disgusting thing ever, don't eat them. I remember I was like, no, I told the kids, I said, you're going to eat this. And I took one bite and I said, you guys don't have to eat it. And Maddox, our 14-year, looked at it and he's, he's pickier than any of us. And he shoved it away because I am not eating that. It was green. I don't know why, but it was, I've never seen green chicken and dumplings. But anyway, that's not the story for today. But my mom, she made hamburgers for us one night. But she made hamburgers in the shape of hot dogs. And That's bad enough. But then she put corn inside those hot dog-shaped hamburgers. I'll just let you figure out what that looked like to a 12-year-old boy and being told you have to eat it. But we laughed. We cried. We got in trouble. We were disciplined. We grew at our table. But that table was a sacred place. And my parents, and my grandma and grandpa Blancett and my mama and my papa Stambro, I have fond memories of those tables. They were a special place to me. I love sitting around those tables. I cherish those memories today, and I would honestly pay a lot of money to go back and sit at some of those tables. And I can honestly stand up here today and say, I think I'm the man of God that I am today because of my time around those tables. And listen to me, when I talk about these tables, I don't always mean a literal physical table. Let's go back even to what, De- what Moses was speaking in Deuteronomy. The table, he says, talk about it when you're at home. That could mean in the living room. Talk about it when you're walking down the street. That could be when you're driving down the road, at bed, at night, when you get up of a morning. What's he saying? Talk about implant the word of God in your family on a continual basis, not just on Sunday morning and not just on Wednesday night, but put the word of God in your family. Sometimes, mom and dad, you are the table and the food that you are giving is the words and the actions that are coming out of your life. I believe in this table. I believe in the importance of this table. The point today is this. My family literally poured into me, or I could say they fed me the values of what it means to be a man of God, a kingdom man, a kingdom family, and they poured into me the values of what it means to build a legacy family. But I wonder today, is the table as important as it once was. Or maybe I shouldn't say it that way. Maybe I should say it this way. Due to a variety of commitments and social hobbies, due to some of our hobbies, due to some of our sports commitments, due to Bill's, due to DVRs, due to our studies at school, or studies that our work makes us do, or the tablet, or video games, or televisions, or telephones, to jobs that we both have to have to meet the demands of the day, the 12 committees that we sit on. And I'd say our list could go on and on and on and on today of things that have taken precedent over family time and of the table. I wonder today, do we, not only do we not have time to sit down and enjoy a meal as a family, but do we have time today to have conversations with our kids about what it means to follow Jesus Are we taking time? I know we take time to teach our kids how to swing a bat or shoot a basket or play an instrument. I know we take time to teach our kids how to pass math or to pass science. I know we take time to teach our kids maybe how to balance a checkbook or to be a good person here or to be a good person there, but I wonder are we taking time to teach our kids and instill in our kids the values of what it means to be a man of God or a woman of God or what does it mean to be a godly husband or what does it look like be a godly wife? Or what does it look like to be a godly son? I wonder today, are we taking time to do that? Do we have time to instruct our kids in the ways of the Lord? Do we have time to instill kingdom values in our kids? Do we have the energy when we get home? Do we have the passion? Do we have the know-how? Or really, I think it all boils down to this question right here. Do we have the want to? we have the want to. You see, that's the thing that's convicting my heart. You see, today this message that I preached to you doesn't come to you from a place of finger pointing. This message comes to you from a place of deep conviction in my heart because I am concerned about the American church, but I'm more concerned about the American family, strong biblical families. I'm concerned for us I'm concerned if we don't do something, if we don't make some differences in our homes, in the things that we instill in our kids, if we don't shift some priorities, I'm concerned, and please hear me, I don't make any statements to scare, I don't want to be melodramatic, these are just things that are on my heart from the Lord. I'm concerned that if we don't make some differences, the church as we know it in the next 20 years is going to cease to exist. And why do I say this? Because mom and dad, we've made church optional for our kids. And if it's optional for them today, what's it gonna be like when they're adults tomorrow? We're gonna take what our grandparents and our great-grandparents and our great-great-grandparents and the values and the morals that they passed down to us at these tables and what we're doing is we're one by one, we're slowly throwing them away for the bat and the textbook and the football and the television and the bills and the schedules and all those different things and I wonder today, are we missing the mark? I wonder today, have we replaced the importance of the table with the convenience of the tablet? I wonder today, have we replaced the importance of the table with the latest video game or the hottest Netflix show? I'm afraid, and I want you to get this today, and I could stop right here and ask us to pray because I feel that this next statement is that important. I'm afraid if we're not making time for the table, there probably isn't any real spiritual discipleship happening in our homes. But Pastor Chad, we bring our kids to church. Well, good job. One hour a week, they get the word of God in them. Well, Pastor Chad, every once in a while, we bring our kids on Wednesday night. Well, good job. You've got your kids two hours of Jesus in a week. And we're wondering why is the family, the biblical family, the God-honoring family of a husband and a wife, why is that family facing extinction? I believe it's not the church's fault. We take our own blame, we do that. But, mom and dad, I believe we are responsible for instilling kingdom values in our kids. I'll do all that I can to help. Pastor Ed will do all he can to help. Pastor Dez will do all she can to help. But it is our responsibility as pastors, as, as, as husbands and as wives, as moms and dads, to instill kingdom values and kingdom principles in our homes. Are you hearing me today? I want to just, I want to be honest with you guys for just a few moments. I'm honest the entire time, but I want to just kind of let me say it this way. Let me confess to you guys. Let me let you see inside my world for just a moment. Tosh and I have four kids. We love our kids with everything in us: Mariah, Makai, Maddox, and Malik, and a son-in-law, Cody. And we love our kids more than anything else in this world. And Tosh and I. In the 20 plus years that we've been a couple, been married, we've been very intentional about raising our kids in the ways of the Lord. We've been very intentional about instructing our kids with things like Deuteronomy 6, making sure that our kids know God and know the ways of the Lord. And I, I will pat ourselves on the back. We have very in, been very intentional about raising our kids in a godly environment. But I have to admit to you that parenting at the age of 47 is way different than parenting at the age of 35. But not only that, our family's unique. Parenting a child in college that's married, another child that's not married in college, a high school kid and an elementary child, (laughs) takes things to a whole different level. You see, when Mariah and Mackay, our oldest two, were younger, and even Maddox, when he was younger, we were very intentional about the table. We were very intentional about family time and family values, family devotions, family conversations around the table. We were very intentional about even taking time to write family values. If you come into our house, you'll see our family values proudly posted on our wall. But I have to confess today, and I wish I had a really good excuse. And as I was writing this sermon, I thought about blaming Tasha (laughs) and say that all of this is her fault, but it's not, it's me. You see, I'm the priest of my home, I'm the spiritual leader. And yes, Tasha and I, we lead our family together. And yes, my wife is an incredibly strong woman spiritually. And we lead our kids together spiritually. And when I say to you today that, uh, that we, some things aren't as good as they once were, it's not like I'm saying to you today that our family's gone to hell in a handbasket. Our family's still good. And I'd love to sugarcoat it and like make some excuses, but the truth is, here's the deal. Here's why we're not as good. I'm not as intentional about this as I once was. You see, we have less table time. We have less family meals, coach my boys I'm there for their practices teach them how to swing a golf club teach them how to swing a bat but we have less family meals we have less devo time as a family we have less spiritual conversations less hide and go seek in the dark tag less laughter and you see what I found happening is we have more individual time holed up in our own part of the household. And in today's world, listen to me, if we want to be successful, if we want to please the Lord and build legacy families, hear me, we need more table time, not less table time. And I tell you today, the Lord has convicted me and he's challenged me and he's rocked me. And our family, what we're doing is we're making a choice to go backwards so that we can go forward but I don't only want this to be true of my family. This isn't only about us. I want every Destiny Church family to become a strong, kingdom-driven, biblical family that instills biblical values in your family. I want you to be successful at work. I want your kids to be successful on the baseball field. I want your kids to be successful in school. I want you to be successful at work. I want you to be successful in all those things, but at the end of the day, my priority has gotta be successful your spiritual soul. Your priority has got to be the success of your spiritual souls. And what I want to do for the next few weeks is I want to talk with you about building strong kingdom families. And I want you to hear me. I'm going to come right at it. It's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. There might be some things that I might anger you, that might frustrate you. But if something hurts when it hits, just say, Lord, is that for me? Okay? Just ask the Lord to allow him to like, Lord, if that hurt a little bit, let it, let it work. But here's the question I want to ask you, and I want you to think about it. I don't need any hands raised. I'm not looking for any response. I want this to settle in your heart and in your mind. I want you to ask yourself this question Are you happy? Are you content? Are you at peace where everyone is in your family spiritually? Are you happy? Are you content? Are you at peace? with where everyone in your family is spiritually. And again, please hear me. I know that some of your families are doing incredible and there's no accusations. I'm not throwing stones. I'm just preaching what the Lord put on my heart. You let it land where it needs to land in you, okay? Another way we could ask this is, are you confident that everyone under your roof loves the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength as Deuteronomy chapter six instructs us? If not, mom and dad, we need to make some changes. We need to make some changes, right? Again, I'm not saying this is every family. I'm not saying that all of our Destiny Church families are not where they need to be spiritually. And I'm not saying that every Destiny Church family is mediocre, but let me say it like this. If you're satisfied with your family being mediocre spiritually, then mediocre spiritually is probably all you're ever gonna be. You see, if we as parents don't raise the bar, and if we don't instill kingdom values and kingdom principles on a consistent basis in our kids, how are our kids or our grandkids ever going to know anything different? I'm talking to you guys today, I'm concerned for the American family today. I love seeing your posts about your kids being the champion of another baseball tournament or another volleyball thing or another political event that you went to or another scholarship they received or anything. But I wonder today have we made that more important than our spiritual souls? I'm concerned today. I'm convicted today. We seem to prioritize so many things besides our relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about even walking through the doors of this church. I'm talking about instilling kingdom values in our kids at home. Listen to me, if we as parents don't raise the bar, we run the risk of future generations becoming mediocre adults, who become mediocre spouses, who raise mediocre kids, which results in mediocre families spiritually, which results in us becoming closer to the edge of extinction. But what would happen if we would raise the bar? You see, that's not only the goal for this series. That's my heart for destiny church that we would raise the bar and that we would become strong, kingdom driven families. Before we're concerned about anything else, we're concerned about our souls for our kids. We're concerned about our hearts for our kids. Before we're concerned about can they swing a bat or can they pass the test? How's your heart spiritually? How can we become successful? See, I want us to be successful. How can we be successful adults and make the amount of money we need to and pay for the bills and to have the house we want and to have the careers we want and to have the hobbies? How can we be successful, which I want us to be, yet pleasing God? And raising kingdom-driven families. I think it's all possible to do together, but I think it comes back to Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Are we getting something today? I want us to raise the bar because I'm convinced strong biblical families produce strong churches. Strong biblical families produce strong kids. Strong biblical families produce strong cities. Strong biblical churches produce strong leaders. Strong biblical churches produce strong schools. Strong biblical churches build legacies that impact the nation. I want us to build strong biblical families and I'm convinced that the table, the family, the living room, the car, I'm convinced this is the starting point Look at, look at Psalm 128. All who fear God, how blessed you are. How happily you walk in this smooth, straight road. You worked hard and you deserve all you've got coming. Enjoy the blessings, soak in the goodness. That's what God's saying. I'm okay with your successes. Your wife will bear children as a vine bears grapes. Your household lush as a vineyard. Your children, listen to this, your children around your table as fresh and promising as olive shoots. And you know, some of you are like, all right, Pastor Chad, you lost me. What are we talking about? Did you know that an average olive plant takes 15 years to become a mature tree? 15 plus years. And it has to be nurtured properly or its growth will be stunted. And when I read that verse, I think about our kids. If we don't nurture our kids properly in the ways and the values of the Lord, we're stunting their growth spiritually. Hey, the table is a great place to nourish your kids physically. But I think the table is also a great place to nourish your kids spiritually. I think it's a great place to nourish your kids morally and mentally and emotionally I wanna encourage you today, make the table a major place of kingdom conversation in your home, whether you're married or single. Make your home a place where kingdom conversation happens on a consistent basis. Put it in your schedule. Make time for it. Value it above anything else. Talk about Jesus when you wake up. Talk about Jesus when you put your kids to bed. Talk about Jesus when you're driving them to school, when you're driving them to a ball game. And I believe as we do this, we will experience profound spiritual growth. It's called raising the bar. And what I wanna do as I close today is I wanna, I believe a major component of cultivating a kingdom atmosphere is the value we place on God's word and prayer. And today for the next few moments, I wanna talk with you about God's word and getting that in your home. Next week, I'm gonna talk to you about prayer, making prayer valuable in your home. And the third week of this series, I'm gonna talk to you about some characteristics and traits and some blessings that happen when we put all this in place. I have an incredible set of scriptures that the Lord has put on my heart to deliver to you guys. He started speaking to me this set of verses last year in January. So for the rest of the time I have with you today, I just want to talk with you about the power of God's word in your home. Did you know the power Did you know God's Word has the power to shape your home? God's Word has the power to shape your marriage. God's Word has the power to shape your conversations. God's Word has the power to shape your kids. God's Word has the power to guide behavior more than anything else. God's word has the potential to be the single most influential thing in your family. 2 Timothy three sixteen tells us God's word is inspired and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us what to do is right. God's word contains within it everything that's necessary to guide, direct, and empower us to live kingdom lifestyles. Yet, let's be honest. This Beyond Priceless Treasure, that's still today on the number one best selling list book of all times, this Beyond Priceless Treasure is forgotten a lot in our homes. It's nothing more than another book on a coffee table. It's forgotten, it's abandoned, it's neglected. Let's be honest, all right? It's neglected. And I know that the book is big, and I know that it has, if you read certain translations, it has a lot of these and a lot of those, and it can seem antiquated, and it can seem like it was written to one specific audience. But the Word of God is just as relevant and important for us today as the day that it was written. And mom and dad, it is so important that you learn how to read and understand your Bible. That's why we've created and asking you to attend this masterclass on how to read your Bible, January 19th, 20th, and 21st. I think every single family needs to attend this class. Why? Because unless we know how to hide the word of God in our heart, Psalm says, how can we not sin against God? But we don't understand it. So I'm creating something for you so you can understand it. So get in this class. My mom and dad, don't only attend this class, but I want to encourage you, get a Bible that you can understand yourself. Get the New Living Translation or the English Standard Version. Get you a version. Don't. I, I stopped reading King James Version way back in the day when I stopped having to read Shakespeare in high school, right? Why? Because I didn't get all the these and those. That's not the way I speak. So I found a, I found a translation that talks like I talk. And I apply that to my life. But not only do I want to encourage you to get a book that you can understand, I want to encourage you to teach your kids how to read the Bible. Tasha's going to bring some up. Tasha's always done an incredible job for our family, teaching our kids how to read the Bible. And she's read to our kids many, many, many nights. She started all of our kids with this one. This book right here was how her mom, this is, Tasha's book when she was a little girl, and her mom read to her from the Bible from this book. Mom and dad, I want to encourage you. Get a Bible, and as she progressed to something like this, and then we progressed to this. You can get this Bible, and it goes right along with the Bible app for kids, and you can read this. That's one of the things we use for Malik is the Bible app for kids. We have fun family devotions. We're reading a devotion right now with our two youngest boys on how to become a warrior for God. We got our boys' Bibles. They can understand themselves as they're older. Now, the older boys have leather Bibles, but Malik, this is still one that he might use. This is another one. The Bible made easy for kids. There are so many tools available to us as parents that if we don't understand it ourselves or if our kids don't, we can teach them from books that are going to help them. This is so important. Remember, it's your responsibility, mom and dad, to get the but with the ways and the values of the kingdom of God in your family. Deuteronomy 6 again. I wanna encourage you, get in the word, invest in this, sit around the table, sit in the living room, read to your kids before you go, to make it a point that every night of the week you're spending time as a family talking about Jesus. And I know some of you are gonna push back and say, Pastor Chad, we just don't know how to do it. We want to, but we don't know how to. Let me ask you a question. This is ser- Do you know how to read? Do you know how to read? If you know how to read, you can do it. Pastor Chad, I don't know how to read. Okay. Then get the Bible out for kids. All you got to do is push play, and it'll read it for them. Others, you say, Pastor Chad, we want to, but we just don't have time. To you, I say, you are in charge of your schedule. You prioritize while you want to prioritize. See, for my family, we're reprioritizing what we need to prioritize. See, what's most important for my family is Joshua 24. Me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. I want to pray over you today and I want to give you some closing instructions, all right? Let me pray over you. Father, I come to you right now and I ask just in this sacred moment, I pray and I ask that you've spoke to every heart and every life today. Lord, I pray that they're getting what I'm trying to communicate from you. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Stir our hearts, Jesus. Lord, raise up a remnant of people here who run hard after you starting in their homes first. And then we can impact the church and we can impact everything around us. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray.